Okay, freaky fam. Now, obviously, like me, you love the paranormal. You love the freaky. You love the strange. We love it. And if you're looking for freaky places to visit, well, I have got a good one for you. Braxton County, West Virginia. Yes, absolutely beautiful, full of history and a hot spot for paranormal activity. Now, Braxton County is known for the very famous Flatwoods Monster, but that's not the only bit of strange that calls Braxton home. Uncover all that's weird that Braxton has to offer. Bigfoot, monsters, ghosts, UFOs, and even a Thunderbird. You've got haunted towns, haunted locations, and some of the waters at Braxton County are home to some of West Virginia's biggest monster fish. You've also got the Flatwoods Monster Museum where you can learn everything about the 1952 sighting of the creature. And just down the road, you've got the West Virginia Bigfoot Museum. Oh man, I need to get there. Guys, this place sounds like a freaky dream. I want to go there now. For more information, check out www.braxtonwv.org freaky. The link will be in the show description, so make sure you check it out. darkness and then you see a figure but it's darker than the darkness i just get this like really creepy feeling and i see this uh this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car she used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and i just was petrified i remember i saw something fly by my bedroom window we heard the bathroom door shut so then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open so we came around the bend and we saw eye shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. And it had high pointed ears. It had a snout, had a long arm, and it just, it grabbed the deer. Okay, guys, I am super excited to welcome my next guest to Let's Get Freaky. We have got Karen Wilkinson tonight with us. How are you? Well, hi, Tommy. I'm doing great. I am so happy to be here with you. I feel like we're old friends already um, yeah. and just excited to be on the show tonight. It's great to meet you and all hi. of your listeners. Hello. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. You are now a part of the Freaky fam. Woohoo. I'm very happy. <laughs> 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 so you you're in texas right now and i was talking a little bit before but cool yes. part of america oh yeah nice and warm here kind of crazy weather we go up and down but we're we're doing good feel bad for all our friends out in tennessee we had a lot yeah. of tornadoes and some bad weather this weekend so yeah man sending yeah. a lot of prayers out to them but um but we're good here in texas it's uh it's a nice warm 65 degrees today fahrenheit Ooh. so we're oh we're, swap you it's yeah. <laughs> freezing here in the UK right now. Absolutely freezing. Oh, and it bet. probably will be till March or whatever. March or April, <laughs> yeah. 
that's why I come visit in the summer. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah. And I'm already, I'm already planning to come over to you. I'm, I'm, I'm good. We can't wait. That. We're looking forward to it. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. So you, you're an author. You've got some awesome books: Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. Yes, um, that sounds super interesting. Uh, I'm sure some of it, some of it must be hard to talk to because you've experienced it. Um, yes, I'd, I'd like to go from from the start if if you would. Sure, kind of start with how it started. Um, the book yeah, is called Stolen Seed: Evil Harvest. It's available exclusively right now at lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. And um, you can also link to that through my website, which is karenwilkinsonauthor.com. And I'll give you all the links to that for the show notes. Um, And um, yeah, this is not something I ever expected to do. The book is my true account of my lifelong experience with non-human alien entities, what people call ETs, aliens, extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call them. Um, And um, really not something I expected to do, but um, the book was quite a journey. It was emotional at times and cathartic to do. Um, I ended up meeting L.A. Marzulli a couple years ago and sharing my story with him, my testimony, my life story kind of in a nutshell with him. Um, and um, that actually happened after I had had a near-death experience. And I didn't expect um, ever to be able to talk about this, but I went through some PTSD therapy, which helped me deal with this. And then I was able to talk about it. I'm like, I have to talk about this to someone. So I just by chance was... Um, met up with L.A. Marzulli, did an interview with him, which ended up being um, the fourth movie in his UFO series. I'll hold it up here for anyone watching. It's called UFO Disclosure. And the fourth movie in that series is called um, The um, the uh, Abduction Phenomenon. So I think the one I held up was the first one. But um, so in that series, he's now released six and is about to release number seven and eight. Um and um, that was just terrifying for me. <laughs> it was amazing to share the story with him. I didn't think I would. Um, and I sat there and just told him everything, all the stuff that had happened to me throughout my life. And um, from there, um, after that movie came out, I was just, I was so scared of what people would say. And among with the, along with the critics, there were just all these wonderful people who came forward and thanked me for sharing my testimony and who felt a kinship with me and who shared their own stories with me and who had had very similar stories. More people than you can imagine started coming forward to me. And I'm like, and asking me, how did you stop it? You know, what happened? What else happened? What did you do? I'm like, I have to write this down and, and have this information out there and share what happened and share how I stopped it. And, more details of it because we didn't get it all into the little bit of time that I talked to LA that we put, he put into the movie. So I, um, excuse me, y'all, my allergies are bothering me. So my voice is a little funny tonight. No, but, that's cool. Um, so we, um, yeah, so I started writing it and LA, I sent it to LA. He loved it. So he published it and that's how we got here. Um, and um, again, once once that came out, I've still I've continued to hear from more people than I ever imagined saying 
I could have written that book. I've had the same thing happen. I've experienced these same exact things. And, you know, it's incredible. After that interview and after the book, then we started seeing all this stuff coming out from the government, our government here in the United States, disclosure wise, saying, yes, we do have the crafts. Yes, we do have the biologics. We have the bodies. We have reverse engineered things. We have, you know, yeah, Roswell is real. All these other things, you know, just suddenly started coming out. And they basically confirmed so much of what I said and what I wrote. So it's it's been a really crazy an amazing journey. Um, again, not something I ever thought I would do, but that's kind of how it came to be. Um, and um, I can talk a little bit about what is in the book, if you'd like. And yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Did that bring up any questions, it's, any of the things I talked about there? It's very brave of you to, to share your story. And obviously, it must be very special to get people that are probably holding this in that don't want to talk about it. And it must help a lot of people. So it, it, you know, it does. And I didn't expect that, but I'm very grateful for that, um, that it has managed to help. And that's really the ultimate goal. If I can help somebody, help someone deal with it, help someone stop it, help someone just know they're not alone. I mean, you know, I'm not here to provide therapy or anything like that, but just, you know, there's comfort in knowing you're not alone. Yeah. You're not crazy. These things are happening to so many other people that really helps. That helps a lot. And and it's really hard. It was so hard. I mean, just to tell my LA and then knowing that movie was coming out, I was terrified, you know, just for what ridicule could come from people because no one wants to share these stories because everyone's told that anyone who says anything like this is crazy. I'm just a normal person. I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, I'm a wife, I've worked, you know, my whole life done all the normal things. I'm as normal as the next person. We're all crazy, but we're all normal. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, for sure. But in that respect, I'm, you know, as abnormally normal as you can get. And um yeah. and so, you know, it's but it's terrifying to put it out there because everyone is told that anyone who says anything about this is crazy, but they're admitting it in our in these congressional meetings and you know, more and more people are coming forward and talking about what's happening. And I think it's really important to make it okay to have these discussions and these conversations and for people to feel okay to find someone to talk about this. Because holding this in your whole life, like I did, and everyone else does, is is horrible. You know, it's yeah. terrible. It's It's just, it's a lot to deal with. It affects every facet of your life. It affects every day of your life. It affects everything you do. You know, most of us can't even look out a window at night and can't, you know, can't go outside at night without alone, without being afraid. And and that's not okay. You know, we need to change that. And that's what I'm hoping that books like this and the things like I'm doing, things like my friend Vicki Joy Anderson, who you and I talked about, she has a book called The Only Come Out at Night offers great information and help for things like this. And then Ellie Marzulli as well. You know, there, there are a couple of people in this field doing amazing work and I applaud them for all that they've done. I'm just, you know, I'm standing on the shoulders of some amazing people here and I'm just grateful that I can share as well. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it's very special what you're doing. You're helping a lot of people by Thank talking you. about this stuff. I mean, where, where did it all start for you? How old was you when you first started Having these you know, experiences. it started as young as I can remember. My earliest memories are of being taken. Um, I remember when I was really, really little, 
probably about three or four years old. And I can't remember exactly how young I was because I was that young. I was afraid of my father's side of the family because they looked so much like these Nordic entities that I had already encountered at that very young age. And um, those entities were very scary to me. They weren't kind to me, you know, and I was being taken against my will and I was terrified. So I was really scared of his side of the family, you know, just because they looked similar to them. Um, my earliest memories are just being scared at night, knowing they were coming, you know, and there's nothing I could do. There was nowhere I could hide. There was nothing I could do. And, and just when they would show up, I would just feel a change in the room. You know, you just feel a change in the air. Um, even to this day, you know, if I, I can close my eyes, if something, if they're there, I can always tell, especially if I close my eyes, it, the feeling in the room intensifies. It's, it's hard to explain, but there's like some kind of a vibrational difference. Um, but you just feel that I would feel this evil come into the room and there they would be. There would be a couple of these gray, commonly seen gray, it's hard to say commonly seen, but most people report seeing these gray entities, the smaller, shorter, gray, you know, thin bodied, bulbous heads, big black screen, vacuous eyes. Um, and, uh, Sometimes they'd be beside the bed or at the foot of the bed. Sometimes they would be looking in the window or down, you know, on the ground. Sometimes there would be light coming through the window. Not always, but sometimes. Um, and um, most of the time, I mean, it sounds crazy, but I would be levitated off the bed and either through a closed window or up through a ceiling, you know, and just having these memories, these vivid memories of, things on the ceiling, whether it was the light fixture, whether it was the ceiling that was wallpapered and the way there would be little brown curled edges on the wallpaper, or whether it was this the painted ceiling and just the chips or flecks in the paint, different things, you know, things that, uh, crazy things that you see when you get that close to the ceiling. And then going through it, it was, or through a window, was just this feeling coming over me like a vibration almost. And it felt like my whole body was just falling apart or coming into pieces almost. It's so hard to describe. And, you know, I'm thinking, I'm ha always thinking how here I go again. And how is this happening? You know, I just, you still can't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Um, a lot of times it's, it was be accompanied by sleep paralysis. Um, a lot of people have a, encountered that in their lives. Sleep paralysis does not automatically mean that you're take, being taken by something or being, you know, but, but all, quite often it can, it does mean something is going on. And that's where I refer back to, again, my friend, Vicki Joy Anderson and her book, they only come out at night. So helpful in that respect. Um, because I didn't even think until I met her that anyone else understood what sleep paralysis was, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those terrifying things. Um, most times I would, um, they have this ability to just switch a person off and switch me off where right? it's like, you're just asleep, you know, just like that. And I would wake up in, um, being taken somewhere, either like in an elevator that just shot straight down. And then I used to, <laughs> I would talk about these elevators that went side to side now realizing those were more likely like a high-speed train or something. But when I was little, there's nothing to compare that to because trains and cars and things like that, A, made a lot of noise back in the 60s and 70s, you know, and um, 
weren't quiet, weren't smooth, you know, like that. But um, so transported places, sometimes I would just wake up on a table um, being examined, having examinations done, um, you know, whether it be needles or things that look like x-ray machines. And I didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, they didn't stop to explain it. It was just scary and terrifying. And they're just doing whatever they want to do. And and you have to go along with it. You know, you're helpless. I was helpless as a small child. And as I grew older, I was, you know, you continue with that helpless feeling, but you're also groomed to go along with it and to understand what to do. And, and that if you go along with it and the more behaved you are, the easier the process is going to be. Um, so they are kind of, to me, I, um, write about this in the book too. It was a lot like grooming children. Um, It was like being in an abusive relationship as well, because there were times when they would kind of, as it went on and it became a lifelong thing, they would pepper in things that were a little more entertaining or fun for me so that it would, you know, like in an abusive relationship where, you know, here's something nice, but you know, along with it comes the ugly and the terrible. And, and so, you know, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, um, it was never a good thing. It was never a positive thing. Um, I think when I was about six years old, I had my first real kind of breakdown at school where they just found me huddled in the corner of a bathroom stall and just holding my knees and rocking. And just, you know, I was just done. I just didn't, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I didn't know how to, how to deal with it, you know? And I think that's the point where I really learned to separate it and just put, that part of my life in one side and the normal part in the other. And, and because I didn't have a choice, you know, and, and I think God gives us that protective mechanism sometimes in our brains that allows us to kind of shut down the bad things and put them aside and just be able to move forward and live. So that, that's kind of how I dealt with it because there just really isn't a good way to deal with it um, in a positive way. So so that's kind of the how it started and the kind of an example of what the average experience was like. Um, it was just, you know, it was terrifying. It was yeah. a lifetime of just being afraid, afraid when they were going to come back, when they were going to be here next, what they were going to do next. So yeah, in a nutshell, <laughs> that's how it started. Yeah. That's, that must've been so different. I mean, my, my middle daughter is seven years old and, and to, to think of her going through something like that was, that's heartbreaking. I mean, that must have been terrifying. It was. And it's not like you can tell anyone, you know, it's not like anyone's going to understand it. And even if, you know, and I was trying to talk, you know, I was trying to tell people, but we didn't have the word. I didn't have the words to describe what was happening. I didn't yeah. know who they were, where they were from, what they were, why they were doing this, or if this was happening to everyone, if I was special, if I was not special, you know, it just there wasn't. We didn't have the movies and the books and the TV shows and the podcasts and things and social media. And the, there was just no way for me to find out and no way for me to describe what it was in ways that people would understand. Because yeah. anything I said, they equated it back to me talking about kids when I talked about the little ones or the short, you know. So it just, it was just useless to even try. Excuse me. So, yeah, I stopped trying you know, to share it with anyone and anyone you try to talk to about just thinks you're crazy. Once I did have vocabulary for it, you know, you can't talk to your friends and family. They just think you're crazy. So I just kind of 
decided it wasn't something that I was going to talk about ever. Yeah, yeah. And, that must be so difficult. It was until my near-death experience. And that just, you know, that changed everything. And I really think that was God's hand in it, um, changing the course of my life and what I was going to do. Um, I can talk about that a little bit if you'd like. Yeah. Can I can I just ask before we get into that, how how sure. often did this happen when you were young? Was it no. something that happened every night or? Well, I can't say it happened every night, but it happened quite frequently. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's happened hundreds of times over my lifetime. Um, it was so frequent, you know, and sometimes more frequent than others. It felt like it went in bursts of time. And then sometimes there would just be a little break, which was nice. And I think it happened more often when I was in certain places other than others, more often when we were visiting my grandmother's farm, it happened more often there than anywhere else. Um, but they found me wherever I was. And so I soon realized it didn't matter where I was. If, like when we went on vacation, I thought, this is great. They don't know where I am, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but they knew where I was. Um, so, you know, it, I wish I knew how many times, but I have no idea, but a lot, very, very often. There yeah. didn't seem to be much of a break from it. Was it, was it always the same entities or was, was it different types? Mm-hmm. You know, the gray entities that would come to get me and that most people report seeing, they all kind of look the same. Some of them smell differently. Um, some of them smelled really bad, like a sulfur, urine, dead animal kind of smell. Just um, Some of them didn't smell as bad, but sometimes I could smell them before I saw them. Um, when I was wherever they took me, which is generally an underground facilities was most often where I was taken. There were these things that were different. The grays, I can speak a lot to the grays that came, the ones that came to get me and that other people talk about. Um, Cause I have a lot of thoughts on that, but um, on when I was taken to the facilities where they would take me and like I said, mostly underground, they there were these taller older looking gray entities they look a lot like those typical grays but they were a more sturdy build their faces had more expression and wrinkles to them so i always said they looked older not that they were but um their eyes moved their they had mouths that moved they were more human-like than the grays that would come to pick me up. They had more um, facial features, like uh, more expression in their faces, that kind of thing. There were reptilian type entities. And I was, um, most of my life, most of the times I was taken, I had my hand, a person I called my handler with me. He appeared as a very strikingly, handsome kind of military looking square jawed buzz cut very tall very muscular um man and i knew who he was he didn't have a name but i knew him it was like an imprint almost you know it was it was more of a knowing than a name yeah um it's so hard to describe because we don't operate that way but everything was so much of it was telepathic or was mind speak as opposed to, you know, 
physically speaking. Um, and he, as our relationship matured, he showed me his true form and he was a reptilian form. Um, I, you know, he, I've never seen a picture of anything that looks exactly like him, but he had, you know, the flat kind of triangular nose, very flat ears, very tall, very muscular still. I describe him in more detail in great detail in the book as much as I can. Um, that was hard to do because he was around me more than anyone else. And I had kind of a Stockholm syndrome kind of relationship with him where I really didn't have a problem being with him or being around him after a certain point. And I knew that that wasn't right. And it definitely, there were a lot of things that happened and I write about those too, things I don't feel comfortable necessarily talking about, but a lot of things happened that were done to me that weren't right and weren't appropriate that he was a party to, but he was also there to make me feel comfortable, to make me feel protected at times to make sure I knew where I was going or what I was supposed to be doing if we were walking around the facilities and things like that. So, cause these facilities were huge. There were humans there working with these entities, um, humans of different capacities, some in military type garb, uh, some in look like um, doctor's coats, some in these just really plain smocked in like shirt and pants type outfits, really unisex type outfits different people doing different jobs, but there were humans there. And I could tell most of these humans didn't realize what they were getting into and didn't want to necessarily be there, but they were told not to talk. And they used people like me to um, do things to us to show them what would happen to their families, their friends, their children, their loved ones. And I know someone tried to come after your daughter, same as someone came after one of my children, I'd step in front of a bullet, a speeding train. I don't care what. I would do anything for my children to protect them. So I understand why these people didn't say anything, you know, because I would, you know, I understand they were protecting their own family and their own friends. And I think that I really do think most of these people got involved in these programs, not knowing what they were getting involved in. Yeah. You know, our, our, um, the uh, powers that be aren't great about sharing the truth. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so, yeah, um, there were also, as I mentioned earlier, the um, Nordic types. They look closest to human. Um, and I don't know if that's what they were or if that was just something that they projected to look like. Because my handler, what seemed like on him was almost like a projection. Because when that it kind of faded for him to show me his real the way he looked. So it was definitely almost like it was projected on him somehow the what i saw um but the nordic types said i don't think it was because they had really big eyes like a, at least 50 percent bigger than ours bigger heads thinner hair but really um wispy light almost like a clear color because i always felt like it picked up whatever color it was around you know it's hard to tell what color it was if it was blonde or whatever but um really light eyes and that in that respect, they looked a lot like I said, my my dad's side of the family, which is why I was so scared of them when I was little. Um, and um, it uh, the only other types that I saw really there were the only types that I saw often enough to recount well would be the uh, insect insectolin type, 
some people call them a mantis or a mantid or something like that. Um, they were always kind of off, never up close. They were always kind of off and like off to the side of the room or in a corner. When I was little, I called them the corner sitters. If it was not a rounded room, a lot of these rooms were very curved, but they would be off into a corner kind of watching everybody like they were in charge. But I don't know. They were really large, really gangly, really uh, just freakish looking, you know, yeah. we just think everyone should look like us. And obviously that's not the case when you get into the supernatural world. So, um, but those are the general, the most often the types that I would see. Wow. And you say humans were working alongside of the entities. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah, that's that. And that, you know, to me just made me think, well, why doesn't anyone talk about this? We're not allowed to talk about it. Everyone's crazy if they do, but there's these humans there, you know, what's, yeah, you know, and, you know, that always just blew my mind, but I understood when they used me to show them, you know, to threaten them, why no one talked about it, you know, but, and I was threatened not to talk about it as well. When I was little, they, they showed me a screen memory, like a movie in front of your eyes, you know, they, they have this ability to make you see something like a movie almost, or like the, like what we have today of VR goggles is the same kind of thing of my family being killed in front of me. And um, I didn't want to be responsible for that. I was just a little kid, you know? Yeah. So I wasn't going to talk anymore, you know, cause at that point I was trying to talk about it like any little kid would. I wasn't going to say a darn word after that. You know, it's like, I don't want to be responsible for something happening to the people I love. So, so at that point, I just kind of kept my mouth shut and, and I, and I've heard from a lot of other people, similar things to that, that they've done that kind of thing. So I know that's not unusual. Um, There were, you know, they had, they had such advanced technology at that point in time, you know, and we're talking way back in, you know, 60s, 70s, even 80s and 90s to what we have today you know, things that were like virtual reality, things that were like rooms full of screens that I would go in and watch basically what seemed like a movie, but it was real. You felt like you were there, you know, which yeah. we can do today. But at the time, I couldn't explain that in a way anyone would understand it, you know. Um, so, um, but uh, as far as the entities themselves goes, yeah, the grays, I write a great deal about who and what I think the smaller grays are in the book as well, because I think that's a big, I think that's something that really deceives a lot of people as to what they are and who and what they are. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you're interested can in hearing I, more I, about yeah, that. I, yeah, I, I let me know what direction you want to go. Very interested. I want to hear it all. I mean, I know this, this <laughs> must be difficult because you've experienced this, but I am interested in all of it. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what they are. What, okay, do, you, um, what do you think they are? Yeah, the, the funny thing is, is, you know, I've seen their little suits that seen them. Into, I think they're like a, a physical, um, biological suit, basically made to house something. And I believe they can house another entity. I believe they could house AI. I personally believe more often than not, they house demonic entities. Um, and that's where it gets a little more interesting for those People who know um, about um, Genesis 6, you know, about the Nephilim. Yeah. You know, about the Book of Enoch and all that. So 
And, um, you know, we know that the Nephilim, when they were killed in the flood of Noah, that they were neither angelic nor human, and that their spirits were damned to wander the earth. And they are what we call today demons. So people get confused between demons and demonic. And there's a difference, you know, to be influenced by a fallen entity, an evil entity, or a demon, you know, that makes something demonic, maybe. Um, or something to be evil can be called demonic. But a demon itself is a disembodied spirit of one very particular entity, and that is a Nephilim, the union between a human and a fallen angelic entity, a watcher. They are called watchers in the book of Genesis. They're called watchers in the book of Enoch and Jasher and other ancient texts and scripts that go back to other civilizations all the way back through history, you know, that we have They're They're all over the place. So, you know, yeah. it's not just in the Christian Bible, but, but that does have a very amazing and good representation of them. Um, and I believe that's what's in those grays. I've seen those suits empty. Other people have reported seeing them empty, um, seeing them in drawers, seeing them stacked in corners, seeing them laying against each other, stacked against a wall, seeing them hanging up, you know, different places. You know, we can make skin in a lab now. We can make all of these things, tissues and things in a lab now. And it explains a lot of things. Um like cattle mutilations and why they're taking people and why they're taking animals and why they're mutilating animals and people and other things. So, yeah. you know, to help harvest genetic material to make these things among other things. Um, so that's really what I believe they are. Um, and I, and I write extensively about them too in the book, not terribly extensively into the point of boredom, but you know, enough to give you a general feel for what I, what I really think, you know, is going on there. Um, so yeah, they're kind of like a worker bee. And it makes sense. You think, you know, when these, if these um, craft crash, which we know they have, yeah, and we know our governments have them, wouldn't you, they rather they find an empty suit in there than one of their actual entities that's, you know, a useful entity. So yeah. I really do think these gray entities are used as, you know, that practically is practically disposable. If it's housing a demon, a demon, that demon can escape from that suit. And then there have been reports released on the autopsies of the biologics that were recovered by the U.S. government that there was no lymphic system and no digestive system in them. And another one somewhere um, from a long time ago that said something about they had no organs, which completely lines up with everything that... I've been saying about them all along. So I feel like every time something new comes out, it justifies a little bit more of the message I've been trying to get across. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. You know, this is just, I'm just sharing information that I have, you know, I'm not anyone special or anyone different. The only thing that's different about me is that I'm sharing the same information that a lot of people have. We've all experienced, you know, a lot of us have experienced the very same thing. So, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's very difficult to talk about. Um, I've had the opportunity to speak about it um, a few, quite a few times now, so it helps. Yeah. But there are still parts that I find very, very difficult to talk about, especially when you get to the meat of the book and it refers back to the title, which is Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, because they used me as part of a breeding program as well. 
and wow. I had confirmed pregnancies that were just disappear. I didn't get to grieve those babies. I didn't get to bury those babies. I didn't get to know what happened to them. And these were confirmed by doctors. These aren't just, you know, me thinking I was pregnant and then going to the doctor and them saying, oh, no, you weren't. No, you know, we're talking three months in. You're taking your, getting, you know, your prescription for your prenatal vitamins. You're going to the doctor. You're excited. You're planning, you know, a life with your child. You know, at the time I would be married or with someone. So it wasn't like I didn't expect that I could get pregnant. Um, And I've since spoken to so many other women who have gone through this. And now there's government reports out there confirming that, yeah, they know this is happening. Yeah. You know, that, that we're not, um, I did get to hold one of those babies once they, I had, I, I have a very good memory of one time. I'm not saying how many times for sure that I held them, but I have a very good memory of one time that they took me in to this room and it is down this one of these hallways. There are lots of hallways in these facilities. Um, kind of like being in a high school almost, you know, just lots of hallways and rooms. And this particular hallway was lined on either side with just these rows of what looked like aquariums in the wall. And each of these little cubicle cubes or rectangles held um a fetus of some sort and i couldn't tell for sure what they were they didn't all necessarily look human and i couldn't see all of them because they went like all the way up to the ceiling which was way high not 30 feet but it was a high ceiling um and at the end of the hallway were rooms on either side um and um about the size of a large closet and i was um taken into one of those rooms by one of the taller or looking grays and and it handed me if a baby and um i knew instinctively it was mine and uh, it wouldn't cuddle into me it wouldn't it just you know I, when you hold your baby i know you know this feeling because you have children yeah. they just they feel like they become one with you you know they just cuddle into you i could it wouldn't cuddle into me it wouldn't respond to me it wouldn't it just, it didn't feel, it was so kind of stiff and it was, the color was all wrong and the head was so big and it looked wrong, but I still loved it and I still wanted to keep it. Yeah. And I was really upset because it just wouldn't respond to me and I was getting so upset, so upset. So they wanted to take it, they came to take it back and to take me back. And I'm like, no, I was not giving this baby away. I was not going to let them take it back. You know, I'm like, no, you can't, you know, that was probably the most of, there's so many things that were hard, um, that were heart wrenching. That, that was a really, that was a really tough thing because I didn't want to let it go. You know, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why I didn't pay closer attention to that, but I don't remember if it was a boy or a girl. Um, but it just, I, but I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to give it back. You just and, had that uh, natural mother instinct. Yeah. Was I was going to take it home. I'm like, nah, yeah, I'm like, I'm taking this baby home, whatever it is, whatever's wrong with it. I'm going to make it right. You know? Yeah. And then the next thing I know, I'm back in, you know, back home. They just switched me off, you know, and they have that power to do that. You're powerless with these things. Um, until you know 
what the hierarchy is and what they are powerless to. And that's how I was able to stop it. Um, but, um, and then I did have an encounter with three of my children from them later in life. It was just a harrowing experience as well. Um, they were not, they were grown at that point. And I thought they were my own kids. They showed up one evening, night, middle of night, woke me up. They're standing by the bed and I thought they were my kids. Um, I have a bunch of kids, you know, so, but then I quickly realized they're too short, too stocky. Their eyes were too black, too big. Um, and they just emanated this evil towards me just this sense of, I didn't expect it. You know, I, I wanted to jump up and love on them and hug them. And no, that was just, you could just feel the evil coming off of them. Just the hate, the disdain, the anger, just, I'm like, why, why are you here? If you hate me and they wanted to take me for me to come with them. And, and I said, no. And I called on the name of Jesus and you know, cause my husband at that point, I was trying to wake him up and he was, they had him switched off. He was not moving at all. And, and then they tried to start to levitate me off the bed. And that's when I called out to Jesus and in the blink of an eye, they were gone. And my husband shot in bed and was like, what happened? What's going on? You know? And I'm like, how could you not hear me? How could you not wake up? You know, yeah. cause I had smacked him. I was yelling to him to wake up and it, the whole thing only lasted a couple of minutes you know, but long enough for me to, you know, realize what was going on and yeah. what they really wanted. And, but I think God let that happen because I really wanted those kids, you know, I wanted, I thought they're half me. So there's gotta be enough good in there that maybe I could make them better, help them somehow fix them. But, you know, that was not the case. And I needed to see that firsthand that gave me closure, gave me peace. I have faith in God and God's word and, and all that. Don't get me wrong. But this, he knows that me as a mother, that I would never give up on a child no matter what. And so yeah, I think that that's why I was allowed to see that because when God didn't, they, they weren't one of God's creations. You know what I mean? There wasn't a creation ordained by God that God allowed it's the same as it is in the bible it's no different it's just a modern day nephilim and they didn't have a soul they didn't really seem to have any kind of a soul at all there was no yeah. feeling you know no empathy wow. no feeling no compassion yeah. you know you can meet all kinds of people you don't have to get along but you always feel that humanness in people i mean you meet so many people you you know i'm sure you get that it was it, yeah. it was the most it was the most wild thing ever. And at that point, you know, after that, that's when I finally was like, okay, I'm reaching out to LA Merzali. That's it. You know, I had felt that I might, you know, and, and after that, that's, I guess I didn't, it's not what made me decide to, but it was funny because it wasn't long after that when I did, because that was after my near death experience. And I had just started dealing with all this. Yeah. So. Yeah. So before leading up to your, your near-death experience, was you experiencing this like constantly throughout your life? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really was. Um, there were times in my life where I didn't. Um, there's a period of time in my late teens and early 20s where I was um, a, a Christian and I was believing and I was really walking a good walk and I understood that I was saved and that I was protected and 
Um, and they didn't bother me during that time. But when I fell away and walked away from God, they came right back in, wow. you know, and they're really, they're really deceptive and they're really good at doing that. And, and then there was a time where I'm like, you know, I'm just, this isn't happening. This is not happening to me again. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I think I just wanted to convince myself that it wasn't happening anymore, you know, and that it, it didn't start again, you know, and just, but I, I, uh, yeah, I, after my near death experience and finding my way back to my Christian walk, I was able to stop it once and for all. And it's not that they haven't tried because they have, they've come back many times. I've been able to break covenants that made that I didn't know I had made. I've been able to, you know, break threshold covenants and all kinds of other covenants. I didn't realize I'd made and things that I had done with them. And um, again, that's where Vicki Joy Anderson comes in. She's amazing with that. I'm excited for you to talk to her someday because she'll go over all that. <laughs> but, um, and I realized what the hierarchy is, you know, that there is one above them that I could call on. And when you call on Jesus, they stop in their tracks. They understand that um, he's their creator too. <laughs> you know? yeah. And um, there are rules that they have to abide by, period, end of story. And that's just how it works. And um, and it's not just me. This is the same story that a lot of other people have shared as well that I've talked to said, yeah, it worked for me too. Oh my gosh. And you'll hear this from you know, people who aren't Christians who are like, I did that. It worked for me too, you know, and it's not like magic words. It's just truth. Yeah. It's yeah. just understanding your creator, you know, and I think people think they have to be a certain kind of person or doing certain kinds of things to be able to be saved or redeemed. And that's not true. You don't, you just have to accept Jesus in your heart. You know, I yeah. mean, you don't, there's not, it doesn't come with a, a bunch of you know, things that say, this is the kind of person now that you're going to be, you know, those are changes you make yourself and in your heart. So, so it does, it does actually, you know, God is actually there. When you call on him, he does hear and he will, you know, these things can be sought, you know, yeah. and, um, and that was pretty amazing. But yeah, the near death experience was a catalyst for me just because I didn't realize that there was a way that I could deal with all of this. And I had such post-traumatic stress after because of the way the near-death experience happened that I had to go to therapy for a while because I was just having constant panic attacks and it helped me learn how to deal with really difficult stressful things which like are the same as these abduction experiences that I'd had so suddenly I had a way to safely think about what had happened and safely share what had happened without, I mean, I still cry sometimes. I'll still cry during interviews. A lot of times it's after I try to save it for after the show. So, you know, cause I know y'all don't need that, but I got my Kleenex right here. Cause it happens a lot. Um, cause it is a lot, you know, it doesn't get easier, but, uh, it does become, it becomes a little bit easier to talk about, it doesn't get easier to feel it over and over again. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, the near death experience was, was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me though. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world because I got to feel a peace and a love that 
I can't even describe or explain. It was just unbelievable. It was beautiful and amazing. The way it happened was what caused the PTSD because I was an, an anesthesiologist came in. I was in an operating room, but I wasn't hooked up yet. Not hooked up to machines, not hooked up to any monitors. I just had two IV ports, one in each arm because I was having a major spinal surgery. I've had a lot of those. And um, I've had a lot of medical anomalies that no one can explain. Almost as if I've been exposed to radiation my whole life. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, if I went through the list. Well, I do. I list out in the book, this not to go too far off base, but there's a um, a list in, in here. I'm looking to see if I can find it real quick. I should actually just. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. There's so this, a list. Of this is all the things that you've, you've had wrong. That is like yeah, in the book that is oh, um, wow. a couple of pages long. And I've. I bullet point them all in here for you. And instead of highlighting the ones I've had, I just say I've had everything but four or three or four. of them. (laughs) And now I'm going to explain why. And it's very common. These are very common physical and psychological, physical and psychological side effects from this, from being abducted by these things, because, and they, you know, finally, it's like, I just, when they released this government report, I was just like, Oh, Finally, someone is explaining why all these weird things are happening. It made no sense. Because yeah. I'm sitting, I'm laying there on this table in the operating room and I'm not hooked up to anything. There's some nurses walking around doing, getting things ready. I'm just in there, but the doctor's not quite ready. So um, he's still um, in an adjoining room getting things together. And an anesthesiologist walks in and, and gives me a, um, pulls it, she leans over me. And this is the, I never saw her again after this. She leans over me. She's got a pocket full of syringes, pulls one out and just pushes it into my IV port and turns around and walks out. That, how are you? How's that feel? Nothing. It was supposed to be a sedative. So I was like, oh, yay, here's my sedative. You know, this is the best part because you just relax and then you're not worried about the surgery. Yeah. It was an, a paralytic. And I know it's common to get a paralytic during surgery, but at that point you're hooked up to machines that are breathing for you and monitors and everything else. I was hooked up to nothing and there was no one around me. It was like drowning. I mean, I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. My body felt like it was made out of cement. I couldn't gesture or anything to anyone and there was no one around me. So I just, I died. And as I'm laying there and I can't breathe and I can feel myself dying, I hear a voice in my head as clear as day saying, it's okay. You can let go now. And just like that, in the blink of an eye, I'm now watching everything. I'm out of my body and I'm still me. I still had my personality. I was still me, but all I felt was just a love and a peace that I can't even describe. There's just no way to explain it or describe it. It was incredible. And I can see through the walls. Walls don't stop me from seeing, but I can still see things. I can still hear things. I could see the doctor getting his stuff ready for the surgery. I could see the nurses doing, you know, messing with the table over here and stuff like that. And um, all of a sudden I watch one of the nurses walk over to my body and she says, oh no, is she having an allergic reaction? And the other one's like, I don't think she's breathing and runs in, gets the doctor and they try to bag me. And I, you know, I won't go into the details because there's a lot. Eventually they intubate me and, and get me on a machine that's breathing for me. And, and at that point I, everything goes black. And at that point I must've gone back into my body, but it was just a beautiful experience once I was out of my body, but the experience of dying and being helpless like that, 
it, it literally is just like, you know, it was like drowning without water as closest thing I can describe yeah. it to. It was terrifying. I was wow. just, so was that, that, then I just, sorry, was that, was that a no. mistake? Was that a mistake from the nurse that came in? Like, the anesthesiologist. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. I never saw her again. Her name wasn't <sighs> on any of the paperwork, any of the hospital paperwork. I couldn't get anyone to, no one seemed to know who she was or could tell me who she was or what she was doing there or why she gave me that shot. So I oh. have no idea. Um, you know, I pray that if she was upset by this, that she's okay and that she knows I'm okay. You know, I have had a lot of people say, do you think it was someone put a hit out on you? Cause they knew you were going to talk about this stuff. It could be, I don't know. I have yeah. a lot of very close, very close near misses with my life. Yeah. I was I, I was thinking along those so, lines, but I didn't want to I didn't want to yeah. say that. Yeah, it probably be better for some people if I wasn't doing this. If that's been made very clear, but I I have nothing to gain by this, and I have nothing to lose by this. I mean, all I can do is share what has happened to me and share the truth and hope that it's going to help someone. I just I can't be quiet about this anymore. I spent my whole life being quiet about this and pretending it didn't exist. My kids are grown they're fine. They can all take care of themselves. So now it's time for me to talk, Yeah, you know? And, and I think that was the catalyst too was, okay, they're fine. I can do this now because I don't have to worry about leaving them without me. I don't want to leave them. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's, but I really just, I felt God put on my heart to share this. And then it was really important. And yeah. I think, you know, one of the reasons is that, you know, I, I hear a lot of people talk about these entities as our benevolent space brothers. George Adamski penned that in the 1950s in his book. And and I understand that. And I'm not I'm not discrediting anyone. I don't decry what anyone else is saying. I think everyone's stories are beautiful and important and we need to hear each other and we need to listen. I personally don't find these entities benevolent. I don't think kidnapping little children is benevolent. I don't think raping women and stealing babies is benevolent. I don't think mutilating animals, helpless, defenseless animals is, is benevolent. I really don't. And if they're so wonderful and benevolent, then they could find a better way to sit down and just talk and share whatever message it is that they want to share. Then they could do that without scaring people, without hurting people and without kidnapping people. I mean, there should be a very easy way to do that if they're so smart and they are far advanced of us. I give you that they are very, very far advanced entities. Then they should be able to find a way to sit down with this. You know, I don't think they're from some distant solar system or Zeta Reticuli or Alpha beta gamma, whatever, you know, I, I think they're right under our feet. I think they're right here. I think they're fallen entities. I think they're the fallen. I think that, that, you know, they've been around us. They've been around a lot longer than we have, you know? And I, and um, I think that uh, I definitely don't believe there's anything benevolent about them. There are good angelic entities out there though. I will give you that. I've had, I've had an amazing encounter with two very benevolent angelic entities, um, but it was nothing like what happened to me that I, you know, with being taken. So yeah. <laughs> sorry if I got on my wow. soapbox there. No, no. Wow. So do you do you think that these entities are living amongst us? They're they're I think, I think that they are living um I think that there are hybrids possibly living amongst us, absolutely. Dr. David Jacobs wrote quite a bit about that. I haven't read his book, I have it. 
it was too triggering for me when I tried to start reading it, but I do understand the gist of it. Um, I do believe that they are under our feet, basically. I think they're underground because there's so many in these facilities I was taken to. I don't think they survive well in our daylight and our sunlight and our atmosphere. And I think that's another reason that they use these little gray suit entities that they use, these little gray suits, because it's they can't necessarily be around certain you know parts of our atmosphere for some reason um but um i do think that they're a lot closer than we think you know i think they're in other realms um they're clearly able to change from a from a corporeal or you know a physical state to a different kind of you know um spirit type state you know they can move in and out of different um different um uh can't think of the right uh, word for it but dimensions out of uh, yeah like dimensions or yeah definitely they can move out of different um space dimensions and times and things like that you know when i had my near death experience there was no time time didn't exist for me there the way it does here I didn't need this physical body to be myself, to be me. And I think that they have an ability to come in and out of those types of realms. Realm was kind of, I think the word to yeah. Yeah, dimensions and realms and all of that, you know, um, they're so far advanced of us, you know, and I think a lot of our advancements have come from them. I mean, you don't go in the last hundred, 150 years from horses and buggies to this, what we have today to disposable rocket ships, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This doesn't make sense. You know, we, the, the the increase over thousands of years just doesn't make sense. So, yeah, yeah. And it's an age-old story. I mean, it's not the first time they've done this. That's what they did in Genesis 6. That's the book of Enoch, Genesis, the book of Genesis, the book of Daniel, the book of Jasher, so many books in the, in the Bible and so many ancient texts and scrolls and things that talk about who they are, where they come from, and why they're doing this, you know. They're trading technology for people, for, for you know, to be able to experiment on people, to be able to use people's breeding programs, to be able to experiment and take animals and utilize the blood. You know, the cattle mutilations, bovine blood is interchangeable with human blood. You can use bovine blood in operations. You can use bovine blood for people. You, you know, that's one of the most compatible animals, too, is as far as the milk and the meat and the blood. Every reason in the world for them, you know, and those animals are found drained of blood and certain organs and tissues, you know, and a lot of those tissues have really important genetic structures in them. So there's a lot more to that. Um, L.A. Marzulli has a great movie out on cattle mutilations as well. I think it's number six in the series, five or six, but um, that is a really good one too. For anyone who's interested in that, you can find links to that too on my website, but that's, there's just so much, so much that all goes back to the same thing. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all the same yeah. thing. You know, people are like, you know, ghosts and and spirits and entities and ETs and everything else. It's all the same thing. It's all going back to the same thing. You know, we're dealing with a very specific thing, fallen angelic entities and demonic entities that are, you know, on one side, there are the fallen and on the other side, there's the ones that aren't, that are good, that are benevolent. So, you know, it's something that we have to be aware of and be careful of and not mess with because we're not equipped to mess with them. I mean, I've been around them my whole life. These entities are smart. They're advanced. They are deceptive and they know what they're doing. You know, they've had a lifetime to watch 
other people's lives so they can imitate your grandma or your aunt or your best friend or whoever passed away because they've had a life they've been able to watch that person their whole life they've been they have information we don't have you know they have access to things we don't have access to and they're not going to tell you if they're a good one or a bad one right they're going to come up to you and you know it's just like a bad guy here if someone's coming to rob you you know, they're walking down the street. They're not doing it with a big sign that says, hey, I'm a bad guy. I'm a robber. Stay away from me. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. They're just going to look like the nice neighborhood guy. And and before you know it, you know, your wallet's missing. It's, you know, I mean, that's just the way evil works. It's deceptive. Yeah. And that, yeah. that's where it gets dicey and tricky. And that's why <clears throat> the Bible tells, you know, the word tells us not to mess with things in those realms. Not because we c- can't access them, but because we are not prepared for what we're going to encounter and we don't have the level of discernment needed to know if it is lying to us or not we may think we know you might think you know but every story you ever see on tv or these true crime stories and things like that everyone's like i had no idea he seemed like the nicest boy i'd ever met well (laughs) yeah it's it's not really much different to that so that's just my cautionary part of this i've been around these things a lot they're not they're not kind. They're not benevolent, and they definitely are deceptive. Do you do you think yeah. our our government or whoever really is in charge, whoever it is, <laughs> whoever think, that is, whoever that is, do you think yeah. they're working alongside these entities? I really do. Mm-hmm. I think they've made agreements with them. <clears throat> I don't think everyone is. I, I think they think that they are. I think they've made agreements with them. I don't think they are part of these entities' bigger plan. Um, but I think that they've been given access and given ac- given them access to us, um, to humans, to animals, to whatever, and made those agreements because they can't have access to us without agree somebody agreeing to it at some point. Yeah. And there has to be an agreement. There has to be permission given. And I didn't give that permission, but somebody did for them to take me along the way. And that's where I think that permission is given. And that's in that way, I think they're working with them as well. Yeah, I really do. That's a good question. What do you think? How do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I, I don't trust the government. <laughs> and that's for sure. No, no definitely there's, not. There's, there's, there's definitely obviously a, a lot of <laughs> secrets, a lot of lies, you know, I think a lot of our history <laughs> that we're told is probably not correct, you know? And I think Absolutely. when you go against it and even ask questions, you get shut down and you get called crazy conspiracy theorists or whatever, just for asking the questions, you know, yes. um, my, my, my granddad, who, who I don't know if he was into this sort of stuff and never spoke to him about this sort of stuff, but I always remember him saying to me, like the, the people you see on the TV, these politicians, you know, they're not really in charge. And that, that was mm-hmm. coming from my granddad, you know, a long time ago. Like so, smart man. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, yeah. I, the, the people that we, we see are not, you know, I don't know, but it's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of yeah. lies. It's definitely mainstream yeah. news and things like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You just can't believe everything you hear. You have to really try to pick out the little bits of truth here and there and, and things. Yeah. And that's why. And I don't think we'll ever really get full disclosure either. I think they're trying to slowly bring it out, especially more here in the U.S., I think, than what you're getting there in the U.K. But they are... um slowly normalizing it it's on the news more and more 
You know, yeah. we've got people like whistleblowers like David Grush out there now who are saying, yeah, we do have these things. Yes, you know, this is true. Yes, we here are some videos. Yes, we do have ships. Yes, we do have biologics. They're finally admitting to it. So that's step one, trying to normalize it. Do Will we ever get full disclosure? I doubt it because that would require them admitting to the fact that they are working with them. I mean, I'm seeing humans working with them. So yeah, and answer to your question, I think they're working together. But I don't think, I don't think that our, the powers that be that are working with them are getting quite the deal that they think they're getting. You know what I mean? I don't think they understand the full agenda of these entities. And so whatever agreements they think they've made, I don't expect any of those agreements would be kept on the parts of these entities. They have no reason to. They're far more powerful than we are they're far more advanced than we are they could take us out at any second the reason they don't they need us here because part of we're part of everything we have the title deed to this earth they want this earth back they're here too if we're not here they've got it kind of takes away their play playing field and their ability to corrupt mankind which i think is the ultimate goal you know seed war has been what's been going on since the garden of eden and if we're not here, then it's kind of pointless. Um, and God won't let them take us out either. So there's there's a limit to what they can do. So yeah, yeah. I don't think we'll ever really get full disclosure. I think we'll get things here and there, drips yeah. and drabs, you know. And then at some point, something will happen where then the disclosure will happen quietly in the background. And it'll just be kind of like, oh, yeah, there's all the Roswell tapes. There's all the information and everything. But now that you've seen this, none of that really matters because that's not very exciting anymore. And it'll they'll wait till they can just kind of put it to the wayside. Yeah. yeah. Just my thoughts. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. When when they when they was taking you, do you do you know where you was going? Was you was you still on this earth? Was you somewhere in, a, in another realm? Or do, you, do you know where you was? That might be a difficult question. Yeah. Um, most of the time I was here in this earth and underground. And I know that because we would get, they would take me and we would get in elevators that just went down and down and down. And I knew I was underground because they told me that's where we were. <laughs> you know, I mean, where am I? You know, underground facility. It's safe. It's you're fine. You know, you're safe. You're fine. You're safe. You know, how safe can you be when you've been kidnapped? But, um, and there were times when I was taken up in ships, but it was never far. What I remember was never far. It was, I could see trees, I could see rivers, or I could see, you know, things far away like when you're in an airplane kind of far away yeah um you know so never to another planet or another solar system and they never told me they were from another planet or another solar system none of that ever came up so that is not something that i have anything that i can share about because we never went to anywhere like that and they never told me about anything like that and they taught me a lot of things over the years there were other children there and they taught they taught me things they taught me things about how the world works and about energy and about magnets and about physics and about mathematics and things like that. I mean, and I didn't really have to crack a book through most school, you know, cause I already knew all this stuff um, because they taught it to me and they, they had a different way of kind of downloading information and, um, and sharing that. So 
but yeah, that's a, I'm sorry. That's a long answer to your question, No, that's cool. <laughs> but that's no, cool. I really, you know, and I think the idea of coming from another planet, I've never seen an interview with one saying that they came from another planet. I've never seen any physical, you know, um, maps or anything from them saying that, but so I don't even know where that information comes from, who came up with that, you know, who, who decided they were from another planet. If that's something the powers that be are trying to feed us to throw us off track, maybe, yeah. you know, you have to kind of question some of these things where, where we can't find the origin. And from, and I know that you have no reason to believe me any more than you do the government, but I don't have anything to gain by sharing this. And my, you know, I don't have anything they've never talked to me or shared anything with me about being from another planet. So I don't have anything like that, that makes it make sense. And that's why I think that's probably part of a psyop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they they definitely seem to even, even, you know, our government like to keep us confused, like mm-hmm. to keep us arguing, like yeah. to keep us, you know, what's going on now. You know, it's, it's, it's very much exactly. a part of, how our government, well, our government seems to work. So, yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's just so confusing. And I think, you know, for me, knowing firsthand what I know, that helps me to kind of make sense of some of what's going on. But for other people who don't have the same firsthand experience that I have, I can't imagine how, how tough this must be because it's so confusing and no one's giving anyone any straight information. You know, yeah. And for those of us who do have firsthand knowledge, and they say it's something like fifty percent of people have been had an experience. Yeah. Um, it's frustrating because we know they're lying, <laughs> and we know there's other people out there lying. There's people thrown out there just for no other reason but to make this difficult. There's people that um will draw abductees in and be like, "You can share your story with me. This is a safe place. I'm a Christian. I'm this and that." And then they'll tell these people. It's all psychotic delusion. None of this ever happened. You're making it all up in your mind. I'm like, I have physical scars from this. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. I mean, they left burn marks on me and things. There's that's not a delusion, you know. Um, you know, and that and that's terrible also because that's victim shaming. But yeah. there are people out there who who will say this is nothing but a psychotic delusion. There are people whose whole careers are based on hunting us down and telling us that. And that's terrible. Yeah, and it, yeah. it just hurts my heart. I can't tell you how many messages and emails I've gotten from people who've heard that, and uh, it breaks my heart. That's yeah. ter- I mean, how dare these people do that when they have no idea what these people have been through? I mean, you're such a compassionate person, and you welcomed me with open arms, and and you have been lovely, and I I sincerely oh, appreciate that. But that's not always the case, and and you know, and I would say to anyone out there listening, if you know someone who approaches you who's been through something like this you know just listen to them with an open compassionate heart you don't necessarily have to believe everything they're telling you um but just to be compassionate and comforting to them i think that's important because victims of this need that yeah that very much there's enough people out there telling us we're crazy and that and that's hard when you know what's happened and you're a victim and here we we can't call we can't say a bad thing about anyone but you're still allowed to victim shame and abductee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah How does no, that work? It's not good. You know, it uh, hasn't caught up to us yet. So we're not protected yet. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should be. 
right. At the start of uh, Let's Get Freaky, one of the, well, I think it was like episode around the 30 sort of episodes, I, I interviewed uh, Linda Thompson. Do you know her? Linda Thompson? Linson Thompson, yeah, yeah. No, I don't. So uh, she she said that, um, she says, I think she had a set like one in four people could possibly be taken in their life. And and a lot of the times they will, these entities will wipe all memory of it. So yes. there's loads of us out there that have had these experiences that they might get a flashback of something, but they're not sure what that memory is. And, you know, right. sometimes the memory does come back. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's so many people out there that have had these experiences that might not even really fully understand what they're experiencing. Oh, yeah, that is absolutely true. They do have a way of giving you screen memories. They would give me screen memories of certain things. Um, And I got to the point they used the same one over and over again. So I was new. It was the screen memory. And it got to the point where I could stop it sometimes, just break through it. Um, But I've always had these memories, too, that I have. All of my life, I've had the memories. They Somehow, they weren't able to wipe my memory the way they were everyone else's and it's not just me there are a lot of people like me out there and I don't have memories of every single time you know almost always of right when it starts and then I would get shut off and sometimes I wouldn't remember anything else and the next thing I know I'm waking up in my bed but my pajamas are on backwards or it's you know there's a bunch of missing time or I'm so thirsty or I'm so tired, like I haven't slept all night, which is really bad on a school-age kid, let me tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, so many things. But, yeah, they do have the ability to give someone, wipe someone's memories, give someone screen memories. So sleep paralysis is a big key for people. And I still have memories that come back. I still have memories that I have, but I haven't allowed myself to fully let them in. I I know that that memory is there, but I won't let myself really experience it because it's too hard. There's a couple of them like that. And then there's some that I'll just be going through my day and all of a sudden, boom, clear as day. Another something else will come back. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Wow. How did I not remember that? Yes, I totally remember. You know, and memories are really interesting things because you know when it's a memory. Yeah. You know, you just... There's a different, there's just something about a memory that is so tangible and so real and that, you know, you can feel dreams. It. Yeah. You feel it. You feel it. You, you remember the smells and the feels, how it felt, how it smelled, how everything was, how, how you felt, how other people around you were acting and reacting so many details. Whereas dreams, dreams are usually so really tunnel vision and you don't remember them and the details are all off and the things are all wonky similar to being in an astral and you asked about the abductions if they were all physical and where i was taken yet and some of i have been taken in an astral as well um not as often and that was more recent only because of breaking all those covenants but there was some there was an astral um abduction visitation if you will where the entity who was my handler came back to me um, about a month or so ago. Oh, wow. And yeah. And, um, and I knew I was safe and I knew he couldn't harm me, but I listened, I just listened to what he had to say. Um, and he just wanted me to come back, to come back into the program as it were. 
and to be back with him again and come back and that he needed me. And he looked very sickly. He looked like he was dying. He didn't look beautiful like he did in the past. He was a really flat, almost green color. And he was in his reptilian normal self. He looked weak and sickly and and I think, you know, he was trying to play on my sympathy and my compassion because I'd had this long, long, you know, lifetime of memories and times with him. But I didn't, you know, and I I, I refused. And he offered me the world pretty much, you know, anything I wanted. You know, we can take away your pain. We can give you success. We can give you good fortune. We can give you this and that and the other. And knew all the problems, men, broken relationships, blah, blah, blah. No, you know, I, I'm not making a deal with the devil, so to speak, yeah. um, which, you know, basically, I mean, they're all fallen. Right. So, um, but I said no and, and rebuked him and, and, you know, prayed and, and got out of that. God brought me out of that situation. Um, and really quickly, but that was really shocking. I was surprised. And that was, was a month really ago. A couple months, about a month ago, maybe wow. six weeks ago. I'm trying to think of some since being yeah, it's about the beginning of November ish. When when he comes to you, is that is it is that like his full form is in front of you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Yes. And when wow. we're in the same when I'm taken, like the graves would take me, and then I would arrive where we were going. And these places are massive. They're bigger than airports and things like that, you know, all put together. You know, and I would just be able to find him always, you know, it was that imprint. It's like a, if you put a baby duck with a thousand other ducklings, you know, they'll go find the mama, the right mama or something like, you know, some animals are like that. That's what it was like. It was like instinct. Um, But yeah, it was always in a physical form, almost always. But um, the astral one was a new one for me. That was a really weird. And then there were a few other weird things like that that have happened more recently. And I think it's just because I was able to stop the physical abductions that, you know, there was trying to uh, get me back into it. And especially the first time I talked to LA, they came after me hard and attacked me hard. That was really bad, but um, that's what you expect. You know, they don't want you to talk about these things. So yeah, it's, it's not an easy road. (laughs) Yeah. Wow, man. So the, the the guy that came back to you recently, do you mm-hmm. think the fact that you said he looks sick and like he was, is, do you think that's something to do with the fact that you're not going with him to this place? Is there a connection there? I have no idea. He did not tell me why. Um, he tried to make me kind of feel that way, but he didn't give me specifics. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if their time is short. You know, some people think we're getting close to the, end times, the end days, and what have you, um, that could be an indicator of that. But yeah. I really don't know. Um, I wish I did. I kind of wish I did, but I'm <laughs> kind of glad I don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's 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 not something that's going to affect me, my life, my salvation, my pat, my walks at this point. It's not, he's not someone that I want to interact with anymore. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, unless I, you know, but I don't see any reason to. So, um, you know, I, I don't wish harm to anyone or anything in this world, you know, um, and I don't know what God's plan is for them or for any of this, but my, you know, um, 
I just have to follow God and follow my path and my beliefs on this and, and see what happens. Yeah. And have faith. But yeah, Yeah. I wish I knew, I kind of wish I knew, but I'm not worried that I don't, but yeah, Yeah. something is definitely wrong. Something was definitely wrong with him. And I didn't get the feeling that it was for show. He was definitely something was very wrong. And I've never seen one of them look sickly before. And he's the only one I saw that, that night that, that, that happened. So I don't know. I I, want to talk to other people and see if anyone else has had anything like that and find out if, if anyone else has experienced that. Cause if they have, then then we'll know something's up. Yeah. These, these facilities that they, they, they take you to, do they Mm -hmm. give you free reign to, to just walk around and to just take it in? Not really. I mean, there are some areas, yes. And there are some times when I've just been free to kind of, you know, walk around and, and explore certain small areas of it. Um, They're pretty, you know, there's a lot of them around there. They're pretty careful about where you go and there's humans guarding different areas too. So, but they're huge. I mean, it'd be like, you know, 20 high schools connected together, big ones, you know what I mean? It's just, you get lost anyway. Um, I do remember wandering around quite a bit, different places and different areas in there. There's some wide open spaces where kind of like everyone comes in when they're being brought in. Um, it's kind of like when they um, collect people um, and then drop them off and everyone's kind of in like a zombie state, kind of just all walking towards the same area. It's like, it's like a bunch of people walking across just a big expanse, the size bigger than a couple of football fields, just people walking across to go to where they're supposed to go and, and being, you know, kind of corralled into different areas and things. I just knew where I was supposed to go somehow. I always just went over to, you know, where I was needed and where he was going to be. And, and then whatever was going to happen that particular time happened, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't completely restricted. I guess it just depended on why I was there or why other people were there and what they were doing and that kind of thing. It definitely wasn't like a social club or anything like that. I never piled around with anyone. Um, someone asked me once, have you ever met anyone that you saw when you were there? And I have not, no. Um, and, uh, but I never, it was always different people, you know? I never felt like I was with the same people twice. And there were so many people sometimes that it would be impossible for me to even probably recognize somebody unless something specific had happened, which I don't have any memories of that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot. It is a lot. Yeah. Have you probably, I'm sorry, guys. No, you go. No, I just, you'll probably have a lot more questions too once you get the book because that usually happens because it's hard to know. Yeah. What people, want well, to hear about and um, i'm definitely getting the book for sure okay. i've still i've still got some questions now if you don't mind I've still sure. got oh yeah absolutely we're fine no i'm good on time we're good you're good yeah, um good. You, have you you've talked to people that sort of had similar experiences have, have you talked to people that went to the same place as you um i you know we've i've talked to people yes who've always off had excuse me also been into these same underground facilities um so, you know, but they didn't have like names like for what the facility's name was or anything like this. So there's no way for us to confirm that we were in the same place. Yeah. Um. So, but I've talked to many people who 
describe the exact same things wow. that I saw in exact same places. And the, you know, there are like older sections that look like they're carved out of stone and that you can tell these are like really ancient parts of the underground area. And then there's newer sections that are just so modern, you know, that it's stark and white walls and just very antiseptic and sterile. And so it's really weird. And, and other people have described the same, some of these same de- exact same details that I've described. Yes, exactly. The, the crafts that they, they were taking you in, can you sort of explain what they look like? Yeah, they're, um, I don't have a lot of outside of the craft memories, but inside um, the typical kind of gathering craft, what you would call it, um, had like bench type seats across sections that were like bench almost seats, but, but with like grooved in places where people would sit into them so that it really held you down into the seat kind of. Um, and they would pick people up and everyone on there would just be kind of like in a zombified state, like turned off, switched off. Um, I wasn't always switched off because I'd done it and they knew I would behave. And they had this blanket thing that when people would get crazy and they had trouble switching them off, which happened, they would put this blanket thing over them and it was turned into the, the equivalent of like a straight jacket. It just sucked itself over their body and just held them so they couldn't move and couldn't speak and because it would just cover them and you knew you didn't want that i knew i didn't want that um inside the ships literally felt like they were alive like they were living things is the best way i can describe them i the ships seemed alive um and i say that because i could walk from one side because they looked like they were curved down in the sides but when i would walk towards one of the edges it literally felt it moved to allow my body to walk wherever i wanted to walk like the ship accommodated me instead of me accommodating or ducking down or accommodating it sorry um the ship accommodated me if that makes sense it's and i and i describe it a lot better too in the book but it literally was like it was alive um and it's the best way i can describe it they are very you know i wish i understood more about them except the only thing i can say about them is the ships seem to have some sort of a life force to them Interesting. Yeah. And he's just so far beyond our grasp, too. You know, they're dealing with future physics and things we just can't even fathom, things we don't have yet. But, you know, virtual reality was so far beyond something we could fathom back in the 60s and 70s and 50s and what have you. And and today it's just, you know, look at what our kids are walking around with computers in their pockets, you know. Yeah. And that's just, yeah. you know, look how far things come. So, so, uh, and our cars talk to us now and they do things that, and they can drive themselves. So I, I think that it might make more sense as time goes on. It's just hard to describe things that we don't have and that are so far outside of our level of technology. And yeah. the ships are definitely one of those things. The way they work is it's just unbelievable. They're yeah. smart. Well, if you, if you look at the stuff, even like we've got now, you know, mm-hmm. 50 years ago or whatever people would be like what like there's no way you could do that but 
Exactly. And, and if you think what we can do now, what what can they do? You know, that's so hundred percent. Oh yeah, they're so wow. far advanced. So far advanced. They have things we just do not understand, and it's hard to describe some of the things I've experienced and seen because I don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. Was it was it, it anyone in your in your family that experienced anything similar? Because sometimes you yeah. you hear that this is can be a, a family yes. thing. It definitely is a family oh, thing, sorry. and I can't speak for the members. My series just sorry? come up. <laughs> oh, that's right. Are you good? Sorry, I've just got to get this. No down. worries. But it's definitely a family no, Siri. thing. Do you want me to sorry, continue? sorry about that. If I could just start that again, my Siri came up there for some sure. reason. No, that's crazy. That's all right. It happens. Yeah. I'm surprised that's all that's happened. Usually, yeah, no. I, I have a lot of <laughs> uh, interference in doing these interviews. Yes. So, um, yeah. I'm very, very happy that we got. Going we got this far. <laughs> yes. Woohoo. Um, but yeah, they um okay, what did you just ask? You were asking about I totally lost my train of thought on that because I got all caught up in the oh, um let's <laughs> oh you were asking about family um yes, things. Yeah. Yes, I can't yes. speak for family members who have not chosen to come forward and share what's happened to them. And so I will not do that for living members of my family, but I will say, yes, it is a family thing. It does tend to run in families. It does tend to run. A lot of it is based on genetics um, and on um, generational things as well. There are generational curses, generational um, permissions that have been given. And then there are also genetics that are very important. They always told me I was very important for who I was physically. Um, I have O negative blood. A lot of people ask about that. Yes, that did seem to be a huge factor for them. You know, O negatives can give blood to anyone. I can't take blood except from another O negative, but anyone can use my blood. Um, and when you think about how long these entities live, you know, they're not like us. They are, they live longer. They're, you know, if they find genetic material they want, they're definitely going to outlive us then they're going to need to continue to dip into that family line to try to find that same genetic material. I think some of the abductions they do are just sampling the population to try to find. And then I think some people are lineages like mine where they've known for a long time who, what my lineage is, who I am, who my family lineage is, what it goes back to, how far back it goes and how far they've needed it and, you know, wanted it. So we've always been on the radar, but now with the, population mixing and mingling so much they're able to just take random samplings of people and find people that aren't part of a specific bloodline you know bloodlines are important for a lot of different reasons to the elitist to the the you know global satanic elite to these entities and to others and so bloodlines are important but they can also find what they need like i said from random samplings so you'll hear people who say yeah i i got abducted once never happened again you know because they weren't a match yeah. or it wasn't what they needed. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, it, they get lucky sometimes, you know, recessive genes pop up and you get someone they didn't expect was going to be a good match. will be a good match. And, and that's why you get some people that get abducted once and some people who get taken their whole lives. And it was a good match. You know, it was making, it was producing fetuses one after another. And, you know, that was working out for them. It doesn't work well for everyone. You know, and so they, when they find someone that they can work with, they keep with it. Interesting. Because I was saying, because you said it at the start, your your dad's side of the family sort of 
freaked you out a little bit. I was wondering if there might have been a connection with the Nordic. No, I really think it all comes from my mom's side of the family, believe it or not. I don't think it was anything. You know, um, there are a lot of Masons in my family. My mom and dad were both in Eastern Star and Malay. I was put into Rainbow Girls. I was, and um, my grandfather was a very high level Mason. Wow. And there's some family lineage stuff there. So, yeah, there's, and I sit down and talk with other people who have been lifetime abductees and how all these things happen. We have all these really crazy coincidences in our families and crazy coincidences with people who have come into our lives for periods of time and realized, wow, I've had human handlers here in my life that I didn't realize, you know, and people that I never would have you know, how did that person come into my life and why were they, you know, in my life for that period of time and so interested in me and being my friend and stuff. And I never would have normally probably been friends with that person. And then they just kind of disappear, you know, weird things like that. So there's a lot to it. There's, there are a lot of weird coincidences that go along with this, that they're hard to write about because they're just that coincidences, but there are so many of us with so many of the same ones that it's hard to ignore. Yeah. So those are more just speculations and, you know, interesting to talk about, but they're not really facts. Can I ask you about yeah. your, you said you had nice experiences with, with entities. Can I ask you quickly about them if you don't mind sharing? Oh, sure. Actually, this was after that near death experience. So they went on, they did the surgery, which they should not have done probably, but, and I did suffer a partial stroke from that, which is why this side of my body, my right side doesn't move very well. You might've noticed that tonight. Um, But when I woke up in um, post-op, that's usually a pretty quick process, you know, 30 minutes, there's not many people in that post-op room. I've had a lot of surgeries. It's a quick thing. They could not get me out of post-op, out of anesthesia. Every time they brought me out of anesthesia, I was screaming in pain, um, you know, blood pressure shooting up, you know, all that. They are afraid I was going to have stroke out again or have a heart attack. So they kept putting me under, putting me under. And finally, after about four hours of that, I remember them bringing me out, screaming in pain, and then just praying, God, please help me. I don't know how to get through this. You know, am I going to die here after all this again? <laughs> you know, is this it again? And all of a sudden there were these two lovely young orderlies, young men standing at the foot of my bed out of the, you know, I was on the gurney thing still and um, comforting me. And they were just so nice and so sweet. They comforted me. They helped me through it. Even though I still felt the pain, it didn't bother me anymore. And they were able to stabilize me, get me out of the anesthesia, get me stabilized and up to my room. And the whole time I remember um, I was talking to them, but I don't remember them actually physically saying a word to me, but they were so sweet and so comforting. And I'm like, oh, you guys, you remind me of my boys. You could be some of my boys, you know, because I have so many kids and so many kids that call me mom. And they're around that same age, kind of mid 20s, you know, and they were just wearing scrubs. And then I, the more I thought about it, they didn't have any tags, any, you know, no, no name tags. You know, everyone has a lanyard with their name tag on it at a hospital. Yeah. Nothing like that. Yeah. Just scrubs. Um, and, uh, but they were just so calming and comforting to me. And we get up to the room. They're with me all the way up in the elevator ride down the hall. We get to the room. I grab my husband and my daughter-in-law's hand. I'm like, oh, you have to meet the boys that were with me in recovery. They helped me so much. And they remind me of my boys. 
And they're like, what boys? I'm like, they're right there. I see. I'm trying to think it was like backwards. Cause I'm like, they they were right with me coming up in the elevator. They should be right here. And they're like, no, you know, there's no one in the nurse that came up with me. I'm like, where did the boys go? She's like, honey, what boys are you talking about? And I'm like, the two orderlies that were with me in the recovery room, they came up with us in the elevator. They were with us in the hallway. Where did they go? She's like, there was no one else with us. Just me and, you know, the other guy who was on the other side of her with the gurney. And no one knew who I was talking about. No one had seen him. No one knew who I was talking about. They you know, never saw them again. No one, no, they weren't in the room with you. No, they weren't in the recovery room. They weren't in the elevator. They weren't in the hallway. So at that point, I realized no one else had seen them except for me. And they were just so lovely and they were just gone, you know, but wow. they helped me. I wouldn't have made it through. I mean, I would have not have made it out of recovery. I mean, you've, I can't even describe how much pain I was in. Yeah. It was, you know, on at a one to 10, it was, it was Bo Derek all day long. You know, it was bad. It was a 12. That's for those older people in the crowd like me. Um, no, it was, yeah, it was a 12. It was up to 11. Um, it was, um, but we, uh, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, you know, they were, I believe that they were angels that God sent them to help me. Excuse me. My allergies are so bad tonight. And the thing is about them is that they didn't hurt me in any way. They didn't do, they only did, they were only there. They didn't interfere with anything. That's why no one else saw them because they didn't couldn't interfere with anyone else. They couldn't interfere with anyone's life. They were just there to help me. And they helped me through it. And they, with loving and kindness and grace and beauty, and then they were gone, you know, and that's a benevolent act right there. That's an entity come to help, not hurt. Everything about them was just lovely and loving and beautiful and perfect nothing nothing at all negative about that and it just it was just you know I didn't realize at first until after you know I kept asking everyone where they were and we realized they were they they were nowhere to be found that they were they had to have been angels because there was no no one no I talked to everyone who was in because there was two doctors I knew very well I talked to all the nurses everyone who had been in that recovery room and nobody else saw them so it was awesome. a really amazing experience. It was beautiful, absolutely yeah. beautiful experience. That so, is awesome. Yeah, it was. It was great. So I just feel so blessed to have had that, you know, after having all those negative experiences, then I got to experience something so beautiful and positive to see the other side of it. Yeah. You know, and and I do write about things like that in this book too, because I don't want people to be afraid. I've had a lot of people say, I don't know if I can read that book. It's going to be too scary for me. I want to encourage people. It's not, it's not all scary, bad stuff. I put the really good stuff in there too. And there are one or two places where it might get a little dicey, but I do write there. If you don't like this kind of thing, then skip these next three or four pages or whatever. I'm very careful to, I don't want to trigger someone. Yeah. I don't want to share details that aren't needed. You know, I'm going to share just enough to, share to get the information out there and to help others, but not enough to hurt someone or trigger someone. I hope I don't ever want to do that. You know, it still could happen, but that's really not my goal in this. My goal is just to help really. So 
Yeah, for sure. That answers that question. <laughs> uh, yeah, hundred percent. I, I am definitely going to be getting the book. I am oh, good. super you. interested. I, I, I've absolutely loved talking to you, and I want to thank you so much for being so brave and, and talking out and sharing your experiences because it's very important. It's very special that you do that. So thank you very much. Oh, Tommy, thank you so much. I've had a great time and I do look forward to coming back. And yeah, yeah. You know, with all this stuff in the news, there's bound to be the next time someone comes up with some, uh, mummy's made of chalk, let me know and I'll come on and we can talk. Yeah, about for that. sure. <laughs> you're, you're welcome back anytime. That was an interesting one. You're oh, well, thank you so much. Anytime. I'm going to read the book. Well, I'd love to get you back on to talk about it more. It yeah. might have some more questions for you. But just yeah, thank, I hope so. thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your experiences. Well, thank you, Tommy. I am so happy that I got to be here and share with you and your listeners and watchers. It just, it means the world that you took the time to listen and let mm. me share all of this. So thank you too. Thank you. And do you want me to share where yeah, you can, can you find tell me? The list? Yeah, if yeah. you could tell the listeners where they can find you, it'd be great. Sure. You can find the book exclusively at lamarzuli.net. L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Um, it's Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest. Again, that's Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest at L-A-Marzuli.net. You can find me and links to everything else, all of my social media at my website, which is my name, Karen, K-A-R-I-N, Wilkinson, W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N, author.com wilkinson spelled the english way and um you can find me on facebook just under my name karen at karen wilkinson and you can find me on instagram at karen wilkinson author so look me up on those you'll know it's me right away if you're seeing my face or if you've seen the book that's behind me this book cover is on my background as well so I'm pretty easy to find on there. And that also has links to everything. So you can find that. And I will put a link in there to this interview as well. So awesome. everyone can find find this interview with Tommy and we can share that with everyone as well. So I hope that if you find me, you will you know, look me up in those ways and give me a follow. I try to share where I am, where I'm doing, you know, book signings or when I'm going to be at conferences or interviews and things like that on the social media and the website as well. Awesome. Well, I will share that your links in the show description as well. Thank you so Thank much. You. I'm looking forward to talking again and keep yes, doing keep doing it's the great wonderful. work you're doing. Well, thank you, Tommy. You've been such a blessing tonight. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. God bless you and have a beautiful night. Thank you. Thank you so much. and then you see a figure but it's darker than the darkness i just get this like really creepy feeling and i see this uh this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car she used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and i just was petrified i remember i saw something fly by my bedroom window we heard the bathroom door shut so then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open so we came around the bend and we saw eye shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. 
and it had high pointed ears, it had a snout, it had a long arm, and it just, it grabbed the deer. What?